Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Well, my name is Sean Wadiemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Sean, if you can pronounce that. <laughs> Park that money in a, like a high-interest savings account, something that doesn't fluctuate. Take care of the basic things you need to do. Whereas if you don't have a will, your family's left to figure out who gets the car, who gets your china set, you know, whatever it is, right? We think we know everything because we're in the age of internet where we can just Google our way. But, but there's only so far that can take us. The point being that somebody who understands the complexities of law has made sure that you've taken care of, you've done your due diligence. The trustee works with your child to help them manage money to the point where it's evident that they are responsible, at which point they can take care of these things. But we don't even think that far. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. And here's your host, Sean Adeyemi, President and Senior Financial Planner at SA Capital Advisors. So today we continue our conversation on estate planning, wealth transfer, and today we're going to be talking about death and taxes and where death and taxes meet. And I have a guest on here today, Joel Nikoloff, a CPA and a good friend. Uh, we met recently, but we hit it off like peanut butter and what is that? <laughs> Bread and peanut butter, <laughs> peanut butter jelly. <laughs> but oh, it's, I was waiting to see you be like peanut butter and Nutella, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we 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 hit it off. Uh, we have a lot in common, so I thought, you know what? I think I want you to come on on my show and just let's talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about death and taxes, and we're also going to talk about a lot of random things that may not relate to that. So um, just buckle in and um, let's have some fun. Um, I'll let Joel introduce himself. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, an accountant for, oh my goodness, I haven't even thought about that. I've been a CA or CPA CA for almost 10 years now. Not quite, but getting close. Um, I do more tax returns than I'd like. Uh, I generally just do it for friends and family. Um, so that's why I say it's more than I like, cause it's more like, you know, I don't ask anyone. I don't solicit. I don't try to make money off it. It's just, you know. Uh, when you're an accountant, you kind of know how to do these things. And there's plenty of people who have no idea, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm also a co-host of Six Sense Report. So sitting in front of a microphone is not foreign to me. Hopefully I don't make a fool of myself, but <laughs> even if I do, that's kind of normal too. Yeah, you should check out his podcast with um, Darnell Salmons. You want to talk a little bit about your podcast before we... Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we we started... I mean, me and Darnell would, would just talk about these types of issues. And, and I mean, we started this thing called Woken to List, which I think is a precursor to it. We were just a bunch of guys got together and, and talked about issues, um, you know, open discourse. And, and uh, you know, we recognize that in media, there's a lack of fair representation. Um, there's a lack of really breaking down issues, understanding, you know, what are the, the, the 
the nuances? What are the aspects that make this any given issue like difficult? What's good? What's bad about it? It's more, here's the liberal view. Here's what you need to think. Here's the conservative view. Here's what you need to think. And pretty much the other person's evil. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just unproductive. And so our goal, more than anything, is just to have honest conversation about intellectual or intellectual conversations, but put from an honest perspective. And we there's this term that I heard that we brought up in the podcast about really steel manning the other person rather than straw manning. Right. So that actually goes beyond what you might think in the sense that I'm going to try to represent the other side's view stronger than they might even represent it. I, I'm going to try and represent it as strong as possible so that my response to it is actually valid. And informed. Yeah, and informed. But, I mean, contrast that with straw manning. What you're doing is you're presenting the other side as weak as possible so that you look good. Good. Rather than actually demonstrating that your perspective or your arguments are superior. And they matter, right? Yeah. In some, yeah. Well, and and if you, and the other side of it is, if you truly understand the other side, you might actually revise your opinion because maybe there's something in your side that's um, ignorant or, or... doesn't account for a piece of information the other side is presenting. And mm. so now it's actually coming to a compromise that resolves maybe the premises on both sides that led to what seemed like polar opposite views. But when you just aggregate the premises of those opinions and say, how do we reach a solution? It's productive for society versus, you know, the Democrats hating the Republicans and vice versa, which is just, mm-hmm. you know, a, a sideshow. So. Yeah, I mean that's the goal. I mean we we've talked about a wide range of things. I mean I, I love economics. I, I when I finished school, I, I was telling this to Darren now. When I finished school, I didn't read for two years because I hated reading, and then I just started reading and learning. And I mean I love economics just as a pastime. I mm-hmm. mean I was I've been reading Murray Rothbard's. Um, I actually brought it today, but it's a, a just a textbook on banking and, and money. So it's kind of kind of relevant. Interesting. I. I I've listened to um, a little bit on your podcast, and it is very challenging. I like I like the banter with you and, and Darnell, and it's it's enlightening. I'll say. I mean, I would say I'm I'm glad to hear that because I think the goal, more than anything, is to get people thinking, get people mm-hmm. talking. Not so much to be like, hey, follow my opinion, but engage with ideas. Okay. So taxes, death, and taxes. <laughs> I, as much as I know on this topic a lot, I wanted to bring here a seasoned professional who actually does taxes, who understands taxes in and out then better than I do. And we like to talk about, uh, I personally like to talk about the, the principle of stewardship. Mm-hmm. Stewardship uh, means that you are honoring God with everything that he's giving you because um, you don't own it. God owns it. And so if God owns it, um, He's just giving you to manage. And part of managing that is making sure that um, not only are you doing well with what you have right now, but as you pass it on to your loved ones, they it's done in a way that is effective, efficient, and at the end of the day, glorifies God. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of people are unaware is that there's a cost to dying. Mm-hmm. When you pass, there are many things cost that your family or your loved ones will incur and most people are ignorant about that Mm -hmm. and so there's probate fees uh there are 
legal fees. There are different taxes that uh, your family will have to pay. And so those are some of the things we want to talk about first, and then we'll dive into other subjects after. So I'll pass the mic to you. And uh, what are probate fees? What are the costs? What's the cost of dying? So, um, you know, outside of, you know, on, on our on my podcast, you, you actually are, uh, spoke to um, final expenses, right? Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to leave that aside because I think most people have a good comprehension of what that is. You threw the number around about 25,000. So beyond that, you know, the taxes, the fees and stuff like that is, I would agree. Most people don't comprehend. Most people don't understand. They don't know how to minimize. Um, in Canada, we don't truly have an inheritance tax. Um, technically we're, um, one of few countries that don't, but we, we do have stuff similar. I mean, it's just, it's a really, so you mentioned it, probate. Um, it's just a much lower rate than what you would see on an inheritance tax. Mm-hmm. Um, the probate fees in general vary by province. Um, and it's based on your estate size. Uh, but it's, you know, I'm just looking at some numbers in front of me. You know, in Alberta, if you have over 250000 it's 400 bucks, which isn't, you know, it's That's, not that much. Right. Right. If you have under ten grand, it's 25 bucks. Um, and, and every province has different scales and different things. I mean, the highest numbers I see, um, you know, are about a thousand, um, you know, but, but some of the like, uh, British Columbia, for example, for every thousand dollars over 50,000, you pay $14. So it's just like a continual amount. Continuous scale. Right. So, um, question becomes, how do you minimize that? Um, and you know, there's other taxes, like the other thing to, to consider for, not so much for the person dying, because they can't do this, but in your final, in the year that you die, you have to do a final tax return. Slightly different. There's certain, the deadlines change. Um, and so there's a slightly different tax return that you have to file. Um, and again, for, for your family, if they're unaware of this, you know, that's going to be more stress to them. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, then there's going to be fees of who's going to file that taxes, who's going to do it. I mean, I've done a couple of them. There, I mean, in general, assuming the person doesn't have the ta- the final year of tax return is relatively simple, but there are some nuances. Um, that said, there's way like when it comes to probate, the best example or best thing to think about is like how do you structure your assets so that you can minimize your probate fees because it's generally a a state wealth formula that says include this, exclude this, um, without getting into you know the specifics. Um, a couple really simple examples would be like joint ownership mm-hmm. of, of checking account, basically doesn't qualify. Joint ownership of other you know there's certain things you can name beneficiaries. There's certain things your you home. Can, yeah, your your joint ownership of your home. Although a lot of times they exclude you know your home the, and your home residence, but. But still, I mean, property, property, right? If you have a vacation home, joint ownership, or, or maybe gift, you know, gifts in your life. If if you've transferred that home to your children before you pass, it doesn't qualify for your estate. Um, so there's other things that, from a probate perspective, um, there's there's just different things that you can do to strategically minimize your tax. Like you're not you're not doing tax evasion. You're just following the law, and this is why you need to solicit a professional, mm-hmm. right? There's the value in having a will to 
from making sure things are structured. Um, there's the efficiency side of it. There's the lack of stress that your family's going to have if everything's already spelled out. Here's what it is. And they have to follow your wishes because they know what's your wishes. Whereas if you don't have a will, your family's left to figure out who gets the car, who gets your china set, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, right? Like, Combine that with the emotional toll it's taking on them for losing you. Mm -hmm. um, that cost can can ratchet up pretty quickly because now they're making a lot more mistakes because they're they're emotionally vulnerable and unfortunately there are people that prey on the vulnerable um, because they know that um, if you haven't chosen the right professionals to help you sort through your state before you pass and if your family members do not know who to reach out to the right people they can get in the wrong hands and the wrong hands can take them to the cleaners yeah ambulance chasers <laughs> it's not so much a reply in this context, but it's the same idea, right? Like yeah. people who take advantage because they wait for the someone in an ambulance, i.e. a tragedy, right? And swoop in, and and the people under duress are just like, sure, sure, yeah, help me. Like I need help. Sure. Oh, I, you know, I've got a. Let's say you're gonna have a hundred thousand dollar inheritance. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever your fees are, I don't care. But maybe you're paying them ten grand where you could have got someone to do it for a thousand. You know what? That thought actually just reminded me of a of a situation maybe about a month or two ago. Uh, a friend called me that um, he, he's a mortgage agent uh -huh. just like me as well. And his friend called me that my client just lost a husband and um, she has about four or 500,000. Actually, no, this was a while ago now. She has about four $500,000 and she doesn't know what to do with it. And so I said, you know what, let me sit down with her. But even before I sit down with her, let her know not to make any financial decisions yet. Um, because the first six months to a year, you just want to grieve and it's okay to grieve. Mm -hmm. Um, Park that money in a like a high interest savings account, something that doesn't fluctuate. Take care of the basic things you need to do. Let that money sit there at rest. Get through the emotional trauma that you've been through. Mm. I called a guy a few weeks back and I said, um, what happened? I said, well, you know, she met this real estate agent who introduced her to this syndicated mortgage. And she decided that, you know, what, the interest rate looked great, blah, blah, blah. She put all the money in there. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Does she have an idea what's happening with syndicated mortgages right now. Fortress Real, the main player in syndicated mortgage um, industry, is under a lot of lawsuits and they're closed. And a lot of people have lost. I actually have clients that uh, before they put their money in this instrument before they became my clients. And I, and I, I, I said, no. Uh, when I found out, I'm like, how come you didn't tell me about this? Well, Somebody told them it was a great idea. The, the rates look good. Looking back now, they're fighting to get their money back. Mm. Using my friend's scenario. Too good to be true. Exactly. It seems too good to be true. So using my, using my friend's scenario, this grieving lady has gone to put her money in one of the worst instruments right now that is facing a lot of litigation. Yep. Somebody preyed on her because she had no idea what to do with that money when she got it. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. It can be expensive to die, but it can even be more expensive when you don't plan for it or when you don't have the proper things in place. Yeah. Well, and I mean, my thought is like, you know, most people don't plan for like your family not making decisions in the first six months. But even like, you know, obviously the number one thing, I don't know how much you've talked about it, but like wills, right? Mm -hmm. You can, you know, obviously passing it on to your spouse, it's a little bit peculiar to put it into a trust. Be like, hey, uh, that's going to sit there for a year and a half, and then you get to use it. 
to kind of circumvent the scenario you're right. talking about. And most people aren't going to do something like that. It just all of your assets roll over to your spouse, essentially tax free, largely, um, because you know the idea is that you've jointly owned everything. Um, there are some exceptions. There are some nuances. But again, having a will kind of has a legal professional make sure all those T's are crossed mm-hmm. and those I's. You know, everything is in the way in, structured as efficiently as possible. Yeah, maybe it costs you five hundred to a thousand dollars if you have a significant, you know, amount of wealth. Amount of wealth. Maybe you can get away with two hundred, two hundred fifty bucks if you have a, a low amount of wealth. But the point being that somebody who understands the complexities of law has made sure that you've taken care of, you've done your due diligence. And if you haven't, they're going to do it for you. Maybe just through questions and, and getting you to put down the right information or, or make the appropriate changes. Um, you know, like adding beneficiaries, which I'm assuming you take yep. care of for all your clients, right? Do they have the right beneficiaries listed? Do they have the secondary beneficiaries, right? What happens? And that's one of the things that like I'm going through the will process right now. I have a nine month old. And so it's like, okay, if something was to happen to both me and Jenna or all three of us, me, my wife and my kid, then what happens to our money? Who is a legal guardian? Plus, yeah, yeah. even if, if if something happens to both of you, who's a legal guardian for you for your child? One, two. Uh, you, well, I know where you're going to go, but you're going to say you don't want the legal guardian to also be the trustee. Exactly. I.e. you don't want them to have control of the money. Just from a simple perspective of conflict of interest, and even that, the, the money, and even the money left with a trustee, uh, technically, legally, your child can have that by when once they um to reach once they reach the age of majority at eighteen. Yeah. But at the same time, do you want an eighteen-year-old having yeah. that kind of money? Mm-hmm. That's where trust comes in. You can change the age to twenty-five. To twenty-five, or, or the trustee works with your child to help them manage money till a point where they it, mm-hmm. it's it's evident that they are responsible at which point they can take care of these things but we don't even think that far no and i mean again these are things that like i mean i learned about it because i was going to school for accounting so i had to do a you know a legal course right it was one course i didn't do a lot i'm not i'm not a legal professional by any means but from an accounting perspective mm-hmm. there's a significance to understand how wills work and and the accounting side of it the taxes side of it mm-hmm. right so i mean i was exposed to it but you're right if i wasn't I wouldn't have known any of these things. My wife, until we started doing this process, you know, she's asking questions to to our friend who's a lawyer that I'm like, yeah, I would have asked that question too. Or the lawyer's asking my wife a question that I was like, yeah, I already knew to ask that. But my wife just... Had no idea. And why would she? Because she she wasn't... I mean... She never got exposed to, to that concept. And that's where having this conversation about... We always talk about stewardship, and I always have to go to that. Stewardship does not end when your life um, with what you have right now. Stewardship is also planning for when you're no longer here and putting the right mechanisms in place to ensure that those things are done properly even when you're gone. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, there's a couple ways that I would, I don't want to necessarily reword what you're saying, but like to, to make it a little bit more granular or, or time sensitive mm-hmm. it's like stewardship of your funds is partially teaching your kids how to steward their funds correct but it's also like you made the comment about passing wealth on to future generations and when we were starting this yeah and my, my mind went to how many people think about passing wealth on to their future self 
Yeah. Like, I mean, the idea of saving, right? So yeah. that my kids don't have to have me living in their basement when I'm retired and I can't work anymore. Which is a challenge for a lot of, um, shall I say, older millennials today who, who are battling with raising children and also aging parents. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't necessarily live with your parents, but my point is that do you want to make it so your kids don't have a choice? Or do you want to be able to, you know, maybe you move into a retirement home. Maybe you don't. Maybe you live in your kid's basement, but you have the funds to be, maybe, you know, maybe you have someone come and help you. You could pay for services to help you so that your kids don't bear that burden. You know, there's so many different ways you could lay it mm-hmm. out. But the point is like, are you planning your wealth in the sense of future generation, future self? To, because if you put the burden on your kids to take care of you, that means when you're gone, they're almost happy you're gone. Not not in a, you know, they're, they're going to miss you. Not in an emotional standpoint, but from a financial standpoint because of the, the well, pressure it puts on them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, you know, for, I mean, my, my parents have a peculiar story. And, and for a couple of years, my dad struggled with regards to working. I mean, my dad got in a stupid, bad car accident. Um, couldn't work for like two years and just, you know, changed his life trajectory a little bit. Um, and so there was a level for a long time where, I mean, me, I'm the oldest. I was always like, okay, I got to be prepared to take care of my parents. Now they've, they've found themselves in a slightly better scenario. Um, you know, just I'll say sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, my dad basically moves, works as a driver for the movie industry now, Wow, which is a super <laughs> cool job. Mm-hmm. And like, it's good money. Cause you're, you know, you're working in the movie industry. Like, you know, you go to, it's just, it's, it's pretty cool. But five, 10 years ago, I was like, you know, he's still kind of on that upward trajectory of like, not literally not working for two years. Um, and, and, you know, just being in a place where, where things weren't productive. And when I say not working, I mean like physically couldn't even work. Not, not that like, there's also the level of, you know, not having a job. I'm not even referring to that side of it. I'm saying like two years of physically being unable to work. Without earning income. Without even having the capacity to earn income, let alone actually earning it. I mean, there's a slightly longer period than two years of of not earning income. But my point was like, you know, he, and this is an example where like, I would say he didn't have good wealth planning. You know, he was self-employed. And so he didn't have business insurance to cover him that the fact that he got in a car accident and couldn't work. And so, you know, financially, there's a stress on my family because my dad couldn't work physically and he didn't have the proper insurance. So, I mean, anecdotally, I'm giving you a scenario where like if if you're not stewarding your funds, kind of planning for the future, planning for the mm-hmm. long term, forget taxes, you're not even there yet, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I know that's what I, your podcast is all about, but. And that's where the topic of value also comes in because I always talk, I mean, we think we know everything because we're in the age of internet where we can just Google our way. <laughs> but I'm a Google king, bro. <laughs> but there's only so far that can take us because there are professionals who that's all they do. That's all they know. They do 500 wills a, a, a year. No. Um, 500 tax returns. 500 tax returns. <laughs> Those are the guys I call when I'm like right? doing my buddies and I'm like, uh, I've never seen this before. You know, I have friends that I'm like, hey, you're still doing taxes, right? Okay, help me. Mm-hmm. You know, and because like I said, I do friends and family versus your point. You're paying someone 500 bucks to do your tax return or whatever the price is, right? Depending on the complexity. The expectation is they 
do it correctly. And if they don't, you potentially have legal recourse. You know, if they, if they do something that's fraudulent, you know, you can go after them or, or whatever, right? So part of the reason why you go to the professional is also to expunge yourself of of liability from error. You know, put that put that liability on them. And that's what they're trained to do anyways, right? They're mm -hmm. trained to um, see your blind spots and bring up things. Just like you said, going through the process of, of creating your will has opened your eyes to a lot of things that some of it you may have known, but some of it, even as a professional, mm -hmm. you did not know. Mm -hmm. So how much more um, an individual family who has who knows nothing about finance, they're technology experts or they're doctors. I mean, I have doctor clients who know nothing about money. Money makes mm -hmm. them get a headache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Right? And so stewardship doesn't end with just what you do right now is mm -hmm. the essence we're trying to it's is what I'm really trying to preach here. Mm -hmm. It also flows through what you do with how you live behind what everything that God has blessed you with. Mm -hmm. And and I think you know, I have a simple somewhat unrelated example that that I think demonstrates like there's a need for you to become informed. Right? Recognize your own ignorance and become and, and be informed so that you can make smarter decisions. Right, like a really good example um, related to taxes is the idea that somebody works two part-time jobs. Let's say you equivalent to full-time hours, but you work two part-time jobs. The way your taxes work on every paycheck is they calculate what your, if you had made that paycheck for the entire year, i.e. 26 paychecks, what would your total income be? Okay, what, how much tax do you owe? Okay, then just apply that to your current paycheck. Well, the problem is the first 10 grand in income is tax-free. So if you made $5,000 last year working part-time because you're a student, you might have paid a couple hundred dollars in taxes, but you go to file your taxes, you get all that money back. But when you made 20,000 at one job and 20,000 at another job, both working part-time, both of them only charged you taxes on the second 10 grand. And so you've underpaid your taxes. You've underpaid your taxes. You've only paid taxes on, you've, you've gotten no tax on the first 10 grand. You've paid taxes technically on the next 20 grand and nothing on the last 10 grand. So you can, I can guarantee you, you're going to owe somewhere over at least probably around like potentially close to a thousand bucks, potentially. And the average person is saying, why do I owe all this money? I've been paying taxes all along. Right? Like, but part of the problem is you got to go to your employer, inform them, okay, I need you to take an extra $100 off a of paycheck or maybe 100, 100 is a little high. Maybe it's take 20, 30, 40, whatever the number is that makes sense so that at the end of the year, you're not stuck with this bill that you're like, I can barely afford this. Um, and that's just a function of how they calculate your taxes. Now, again, why do I know this? Because I'm an accountant and I'm a nerd. Like, I, I, I'm like, <laughs> the reason I know it is because, hey, guess what? If you ever worked at a job where you get a bonus, all of a sudden you get a double paycheck. You're like, what happened? Where did, why did I pay like triple the amount in taxes? Well, it's because of the way our tax system works. And so you might have normally got, let's say, a $1,000 paycheck and you're paying $150 in taxes. You get a $2,000 paycheck and you're like, why did I give $500 in taxes? That doesn't make any sense. Well, because guess what? 2,000 times 26 is 52,000 versus you know your 26,000. That's a drastically different ink, a tax rate. Um, and so I think, I'm not saying everybody needs to understand that. But 
guess what? If you've had to pay taxes three years in a row because you work two part-time jobs with significant amount of hours, get informed. Figure out why. Okay, how can I mitigate this? Because generally speaking, people don't have $1,000 sitting around to pay a tax bill, especially when they're working part-time jobs. And, and that's why it's important to have even if you don't have an appetite for these things is to having your network professionals who can guide not just you but who you can set up to guide your family mm -hmm. once you're gone when you have an accountant that you can trust a financial planner you can trust a lawyer you can trust it's all part of of the stewardship process because you if, if you don't have an appetite for it and your kids don't have an appetite for it but they know that you have these professionals that you work with and so these are the professionals that they can work with when you're gone and you can make this all um make this all clear and transparent in your will it helps ensure a smoother transition of your wealth to the next mm -hmm. generation well, I think you you were as you were laying it out, you're like a person you can trust, a person you can trust. I was like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, plus a mechanic you can trust, plus a doctor you can trust. Like, you know, having relationships with people you can trust that provide you value in a way that you lack skills is is how you actually allow yourself to focus on the thing you have skills on. The crazy part is like, essentially we're talking about an economic term here, which is the fundamental of the concept of free trade, which is specialization makes everybody better off. I agree. Right. So I, as a finance professional or a financial planner professional, you're not going to do your own taxes. If you don't have that skill set. you're going to pay your accountant. I'd rather pay my accountant because then you don't have to stress about it and you can stress about the thing you're good at. And I mean, this can be extended to free trade, as I said. I'm not going to go down that because that's that's my podcast, not your podcast. But we can but, after but, this. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, yeah. No, we we can definitely go down that road if you want. But but um, the idea being that you know, if I was to try to do taxes as as a so doing your own taxes, let's let's ha hash that out a little bit. If you have a couple T fours and maybe an RSP, RSP slip. You know what? Chances are you could do your own taxes. Maybe you spend a little bit of time online. You pay for the, on, you know, you, you file online, cost you 15 bucks. Or you go to H&R Block. Maybe they actually, you know, they might let you do it for free if, you, if your income is actually low enough. Um, or I think at first year filing with them, they let you do it for free. And then the next year they, they hose they, you. Yeah. But um, <laughs> they want to bring your business back. And then they're like, oh, it's $1,500. <laughs> You're like, huh? What? Okay, never mind. I'll go do it myself. But... The point I'm trying to get at is when you have really simple, you're an employee, you get a couple, you know, you contribute to your RSPs, there's not much to do, you're, but start adding a kid, start adding, um, you know, you own your own business, plus your spouse owns their own business. All of these things make your tax return so much more complex that one, you're going to spend how many days trying to figure out how to file your taxes. And even if you think you figured it out, you probably haven't. Like I, I, I've, I've taken over a tax return, like right before it's about to file the amount of things I was like, delete, delete, delete. That's not right. That's not relevant. Like as an uneducated accountant, essentially you read a line and you're like, Oh, I know what number goes there. 
but it's asking you for something completely different than you think it's asking you for. So thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, we had to make this conversation with Joel Nikoloff, a two-part episode. As we, as you can tell, we divert to many other topics, which may seem rather, which may seem unusual, but I think it, it's important that it helps um, broaden our, our understanding of money and uh, how money works, the economy, and how why it's important to to have professionals have people who understand this thing surround yourself with the right people because it helps you make better financial decisions not just for yourself but also for your loved ones so uh tune in for the next episode uh where we continue this conversation Thank you so much for listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. You can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast. And you can reach us at 1-888-365-8883, extension 377. Or send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Adeyemi. Thank you. Mission Media.